0: Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. I'm Jeff Cranmer, executive editor of BioCentury. And today we're coming to you again for the second straight day from BioCentury's 23rd BioEquity Europe Conference in Dublin, Ireland. The conference is just wrapped. We put it on with our friends at EBD Group joining me today to provide some insights are Guillaume Laporta, a partner at ESEOS Capital, and Youp Myers, general partner at Gilda Healthcare, and my colleague Josh Berlin, who helped put together the conference. He's our head of business development at BioCentury. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, gentlemen.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure. Thank you, Deb.
0: Well, the landscape facing biotech in Europe is much like everywhere else around the globe right now. Biopharmas are adapting to the end of easy money. It was nice while it lasted. The theme of this year's conference, a European playbook for success in the new normal. Uh, You've been Guillaume. After two days of panels and hallway huddles and hopefully uh, a cocktail or two discussing the topic, I'd love to hear how you see it. What do biotechs need to do to succeed in this new normal Uh, you let me let me go to you first
2: well thanks Jeff and it's great to be here and um, well first and foremost uh, these indeed were two very energizing days yes it's true that um, I even heard a banker say today that we are in a tough market environment so that tells you something I guess but um, the event was really good it's just in my mind it's a cannot miss event if you haven't been here make sure you come here next year Because there's few other venues where you're going to get perspectives from all the stakeholders involved, pretty much. I mean, we had panels um, with direct insights from investors. And then one of the things I heard is that apparently we are lurking in the shadows. I I think I heard that at three different panels today. Well, here we are. Uh, My name is Joop. I'm with Gilda. We have active funds. I'll talk about that a bit later. We are active. Uh, Of course, selectivity has gone up. The cost of capital has gone up. We are no longer in a market environment where we were not so long ago when we saw preclinical companies IPO at a billion. That is gone, and a new reality is setting in. But to your point, what do companies, what can they do to survive all of this? Well, I'll give you the Gilda recipe. What we, what we back are companies that are active on therapeutics or on the health tech side, the medical device side, highly innovative companies that at the end of the day can really truly provide better care, but also at overall affordable cost. And that's a key issue that we have identified at Gilda. It's also part of the whole debate that we're in, right? You refer to it as a new normal. Later on, I'll talk a little bit how concretely we do that. But um, look, I mean, from our from where we're standing, Gilda has now raised a total of 10 funds. In the past three years, we've raised 1.5 billion. Our latest fund was closed at 600. We'll talk about it later, just a couple of weeks ago. There is dry powder out there. If you're innovative, innovative, if you can really make an impact in this sector and you can provide that better care at lower cost, come see us. I'll leave it at that for an opening remark, here, Jeff.
0: Ian, how does it look from your perspective?
3: Hey, Jeff. Uh, it's great to be here. And first off, let me congratulate you guys uh, for this great conference. There's been lots of you know great partnering meetings, and it's fantastic to see how bioequity, and that's to uh, Joop's point, right, has established itself as a reference meeting, uh, event in Europe for both investors, farmers, and also startups. I love the format. I think that everybody loves the format. And really, this speaks to the record numbers that we've seen in this edition. So let me refer to uh, the McKinsey report that was presented, I believe, that was in the first session. It was very, very interesting to see and to put numbers into this uh, current funding environment, which, as we all know, has not been very good. But, you know, we are starting to see green shoots when it comes to m a activity, to uh, increase in number of preclinical deals. And, you know, also to Youb's point, as long as we fund these disruptive, innovative companies, in the long run, we should be good. We are always, you know, dependent on the economic cycle what you know what happens on a global scale what does, what central banks do with interest rates but at the end of the day in the long run that doesn't matter at all so and you can see that also with some of the figures that uh, came out from this report you saw a drop in you know later uh, stage of financings But you don't see that in earlier stage of financing. Series A and seed rounds are not that much affected on the contrary. And these are companies that, you know, that stem out directly from the labs and that come up with the products that will hit the market in 10 years time. So that's something that we should keep in mind.
0: Josh, how about you? Let's bring you into the conversation here. What's your take?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And and real pleasure to, to join everyone today from Dublin. You know, we just wrapped up. I think our most successful uh, 23rd anniversary event and um, really, uh, really liked everybody's energy this week, despite obviously really tough times, but we did have over a thousand registered this year, which was a a record, including 300 plus uh, biotech CEOs, 200 plus uh, biotech VCs. And there was just a lot of hallway conversation and networking and, and like uh, my colleagues mentioned uh, a lot of sea level partnering as well. And um, look, it's it's tough out there. So I, you know, I, I agree with Yoke. Uh, we had some some bankers on stage this morning for our capital market showcase session that was moderated by uh, Erica Whitaker of UCB Ventures. And you know, a lot of tough love, I guess, and and sort of you know making sure folks understand how how uh, they need to sort of tighten the belt and also um, you know still looking to um sort of get to that point where you know the market's might might open up again and, and what what you need to do to um to get there in in the current climate. So a lot a lot of really good discussions um uh Yops uh, colleague Arthur Franken uh, also you know moderated a, a really good session this morning uh looking at the um capital rationing era and and what companies Need to do to to survive. So just just a lot of energy this week, a lot of good conversations, and hopefully next year we'll be back with um, a, a little bit better in terms of the uh, the market climate.
0: I'd like to circle back to you. You mentioned that Gilda raised uh, a six hundred million euro fund. Uh, that was just last month. It's a bear market. How did Gilda manage to raise this fund? It's it's a record, uh, as I understand it, for the firm. And uh, how does the current environment change how you deploy money?
2: Yeah, no, indeed. We uh, raised 600 million, which is our largest ever fund. And on top of it, we did it rather quickly. Now, this is something that I guess is not the norm. Um, And of course, we should be thankful that it went that way. We raised it from, from high quality LPs, institutionals, endowments, some family offices, some strategics, Um, A disclosed LP is actually ISIF, which, of course, is very active here in uh, Ireland, and it empowers us. It gives us the opportunity to now, again, actually do what we have been doing. I guess one of the key reasons why people came back to us and why we were able to attract some very good new accounts is we don't change much in our strategy, if you will. We have always looked at companies that are highly innovative, that can provide that better care for lower cost, and it resonates. It's something that you don't build overnight, but once you have the team and you have the infrastructure and you have the strategy, it's just resonated very well, despite the fact that, indeed, markets are, of course, very tough also on the uh, fundraising side. So for us, looking forward, we'll continue what we we have been uh, doing. We will, uh, you mentioned this, one of the things that we launched quite recently is our Impact Council, which consists of as some of the best people we could think of on the regulatory side, on the payer side, all these areas that are essential to our portfolio companies. And the whole goal is that when we invest in a company and our current portfolio companies, we just provide access to that. You can imagine if you are a clinical stage therapeutic company, to get some perspective on what a regulatory strategy might be, and to get it from people like our chair, Guido Razi, who used to be the head at EMA for years and, and retired two years ago. There's few people few people on the planet, in my opinion, that can give you better perspective. And we try to do something similar on the payer side, on the HDA side. And we have now utilized that already for several of our portfolio companies. It resonates. It's an unmet need. It's really something that we feel helps our companies move along. So look, I mean. I guess the best answer to your question is we won't change that much. We'll continue to back health tech, therapeutic med device companies that provide for a very strong return opportunity, but then also can be impactful. And that is something that we love, that hybrid. We've been doing that for a while, and we'll continue to do it. Hey, hey Yo,
1: this is Josh. If you don't mind me asking a, a follow-up question, because it's a question I, I had a few folks ask sure. me in, in the hallway, not not specifically about, about your fund, but just this... Um, you know, potential um, uh, uh, dichotomy between on one hand, you know, Gilda raising a, a large fund and, and several other of your your peers also, you know, raising large funds. And then you also have, you know, we had record number of presenting companies this year, 150 plus, most of which are private companies looking for investors. So I guess you know, the, the question is sort of, as you're looking at how to deploy capital on this new fund, is it how much are you looking at sort of sustaining your, your current portfolio companies versus, you know, going out and, and, and finding new new companies to invest in?
2: Oh, sure. I mean, the new fund will be employ new companies. And the way we do it, uh, we expect out of this new fund to do, let's say, some 16 to 18 investments. Our check size will be on the very low end. It has to be like 10, but, but up to 50, 60 million per company. Um, And it's going to be more the same. It's going to be innovative health tech companies, medical device companies, and therapy companies. Uh, There's still quite a few companies looking for caches. And this is probably not specific to Gilda. Out of everything we see, we do a fraction, right? And this, of course, creates a market where there is more demand than supply capital.
0: One point that came up earlier, you had said the age of easy money uh, brought the preclinical IPOs, and now that's a thing of the past. Guillaume, one of your portfolio companies is one of only three to manage to raise a sizable IPO on NASDAQ so far this year. That was Mineralis. I'm curious, what was the secret sauce there? Why was this the right time for
3: Mineralis? Uh, Jeff, this is a great question. And of course, it's no secret that public markets have been underperforming if you compare that to the last two or three years. But I think that, you know, as you say, Mineralis, the IPO, I think it's a perfect case to illustrate what it takes for a company to become public in this bearish market. In the case of Mineralis, it ticked all the boxes. In this case, it was a clinical stage company with strong proof of concept data in phase two. Then it goes after a large indication as is hypertension, in this case, resistant hypertension, where you see big numbers like 9 million patients that are refractory to the current uh, standard of care. And then also, that is very important, a clear approval path based on biomarkers. So we see many companies in the cardiovascular space that need to hit hard outcomes in phase three. That is not the case for mineralis. So with a decrease in blood pressure, that's an endpoint that can get this uh, the product approved. And then of course, one trigger for the IPO was uh, the acquisition of Syncor by AZ by AstraZeneca uh, some weeks before. So as you can imagine, that triggered a lot of interest from, from investors. You see, I mean, we are delighted to be, to be part uh, from ECOs, uh of this story. and hopefully that will be the beginning of a, of a switch in the market. Let's see what happens. But you know, if you've been following uh, the public stocks in in the last two weeks, there have been a couple of very interesting IPOs. Kenview raised almost $4 billion, a seller in uh, uh, more than half a billion. And there, there have been many follow-on investments also in public companies. So we are seeing the start of a reversal of the negative trend of the last uh, you know year and a half. And and let's see what happens. But uh, I must say that this is looking good. And perhaps Mineralis is the first one to experience that.
0: Excellent. Uh, Well, we can only hope. I know uh, it's been a long time now that the window has been closed. So it would certainly, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of companies out there that would love for things to change. So let's hope you're right on that note. Well, speaking of change, we're looking ahead already to 2024's BioEquity Europe. We just had our closing ceremony and we announced the next location. I'd like to just give it back to Josh, who is running the show uh, along with Eric Pierce and a few others at BioCentury and and EBD Group in terms of setting up our conferences. Josh, what can we look forward to next year?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So uh, each year at BioEquity, we have what's called a handoff ceremony. So at the closing reception, we congratulate the current regional hosts. Uh, So this year, we've, uh, as you mentioned, been in Dublin and the regional host committee has just been spectacular. It's been chaired by Alan O'Connell of Ceroba, but, but quite a few others, ICON, Fountain Healthcare Partners, and, and quite a few others really were pivotal in, in making it successful this year. And, uh, you know, we're really uh, thrilled and, and honored to announce that uh, BioEquity 2024 will be in, uh, this will be our 24th year coming up next year. And for the first time, we'll be in San Sebastian, Spain. Uh, that'll be May 12th to 14th, 2024. A registration is open now. You can get the early bird at bioequityeurope.com, and we're also thrilled to announce that Ucos Capital will be the chair of the regional host committee. And Guillaume and his uh, colleagues have really been pivotal in helping us um, bring this event to what I think is just going to be a fantastic location. Guillaume, I just wanted to thank you and and the whole team for for putting this together with us, and and you know really would I think be helpful for our Podcast audience, you know, everybody certainly knows San Sebastian for its its famous uh, culinary scene. But can you tell us also about the, the biotech ecosystem there and, and, and why it makes sense for us all to go in, um, to San Sebastian next year?
3: Sure. And Josh, we are really excited that this year to partner with BioCentury and the regional government of Gipuzkoa on this 24th edition of BioEquity which, as you say, is going to be in San Sebastian. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening, please do not miss the opportunity to visit San Sebastian. It's a great city facing the Atlantic Ocean in northern Spain. Here you will find, you know, the best food, architecture, landscape. In short, I would say the best place uh, where to make business and close your best deals. And, uh, of course, you know, besides uh, food and all these things I mentioned, the San Sebastian area is also known. As a hotspot for biotech in Spain, Uh, the regional government has put a lot of effort uh, in the last years to foster uh, an environment for these companies to thrive. We have many examples. Viral Gen, perhaps, is the most known one, but we have other ones. And we really encourage all the people coming to the next edition to not only enjoy the area. and, And I would suggest that people book in advance and, of course, try to spend some more days before the conference, but also to try to, you know, and uh, get to know the companies there and the environment there because it's really one of the one of the regions to see in Europe in this aspect.
1: Yeah th- thank you so much uh Guillaume. So for those that want to register again registration's open it's bioequityeurope.com. We also very much are looking for uh, folks that want to get together at, at the meeting either to present or, or or sponsor or or speak so please reach out to Jeff and me if you're interested in that. Really, really looking forward to it, Guillaume. I think uh, I was um, uh, talking last night to, uh, to a to a VC colleague of, of both of yours uh, who mentioned he had already was already uh, going to be booking his uh, his hotel uh, today. So <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm, and we're really looking forward to it. just a, a great event next year in San Sebastian.
3: Sure, George. So we really look forward to welcoming you all. Uh, make sure that you book in advance. We are already preparing. Some activities, so stay tuned because this will be unforgettable.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to uh, echo that, uh, what, what Guillaume was saying. You know, this year at, at BioEquity, we had what we called pre event networking excursions for the first time. So we had uh, a bunch of folks from the event go golfing in Ireland, we had others do whiskey tasting. Both were sold out with uh, a waiting list. It was a real good opportunity for folks to network with each other, get to know each other in a, in a, in a fun activity in a smaller group. And we're planning to do a lot of that as well, uh, working with Guillaume and his team in in San Sebastian next year. So we highly recommend that folks come out for the the weekend uh, in advance of the meeting. And and we're going to really just have a, a great opportunity for us all to experience the city and get to know each other better and hopefully do some deals together.
0: Well, thanks you, Guillaume and Josh, for joining me on this second special edition podcast live from Dublin at BioEquity as we wrap up. Looking forward to catching up with you and many of our other friends in the European biotech community at next year's conference in San Sebastian. And next week, uh, listeners will be back on Monday with the BioCentury editorial team on BioCentury This Week. Pendle Square Orchestra does the music for our podcast. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community to collaborate, innovate, and inspire through music while supporting causes related to healthcare and education. Thanks for tuning in.